Hey guys, join us Thursday the 21st at 8.30 p.m. for our very first session of our new Starfinder campaign. Come watch as we bumble around trying to learn the new mechanics as we assist Garflax in some of his dirty jobs. You can find that at twitch.tv slash newwavenerds or youtube.com slash newwavenerds. Again, that's at 8.30 p.m. and we will see you guys then. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of our brand new segment, which I believe we are tentatively titling Table Topplers. That was a lot of tease, some good alliteration there. Um, so this is going to be our series where we uh, focus on sort of tabletop role-playing games, uh, D&D, Starfinder, stuff like that. Um, but at this point, why don't I just toss it over to... Oh, I suppose I should probably introduce the people that we have here today. <laughs> well, yeah, let them know. So I'm your host, Brennan Sam. Uh, as usual, joining me is uh, the you know the lauded co-host of our uh, most popular segment, <laughs> my father before me. It is my father uh, before me, Tori. How are you doing today, Dad? I'm doing good. Is is it the most popular segment because it's the only segment you've given a name? It is, but you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> okay. That is the inside secret here. Well, you, um, you'll take that out at post. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll, I'll just have to edit all that out. Um, joining us, we have a new addition to the crew. We have my brother, the other Sem, uh, the... I couldn't think of another title for you. I'm sorry, but it is it is Brady. How are you doing today, Brady? Good. I'm doing good. Uh, I also go by the brother before you. Yes, the brother before me. <laughs> My brother before me. Perfect. Perfect. That that was a a, a rip roaring start to this to this new series, I believe. Um, at this point, I'm just gonna toss it over to Dad. And give us uh, what are we what are we going to be discussing today in this episode? Well, you know, I, I I've been playing tabletop games for a while. I've made you guys play tabletop games for a while. I thought it'd be fun just to kind of discuss our our past tabletop experience. Now I'm going to go ahead and uh, lean into it and say that uh, most of my tabletop experience is the most popular tabletop game of all time, and that's Dungeons and Dragons. Um. As far as my experience goes, and, and you've got the book sitting in our, uh, our shelf there that I had back in high school. Uh, but they are, I think that was called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, so it was pretty, I mean, I, I obviously was pretty, a pretty advanced young student. And I played Advanced Dungeons and Dragons to start with. Now, this was back in the, uh, let's see, I suppose this probably would have been a, a, when I was 15, 16 or so. Uh, you guys may recall that uh, my parents opened up, they wanted to move back to our, our small hometown, and they opened up a hobby store. Um, and one of their main main draws at that time were selling uh, role-playing games, tabletop games, stuff like that. And uh, as, a, as a young nerd, I, I latched onto that real quick. Um, we set up a game in the back. We had some, um, I'm going to say questionable questionable individuals come in and play games with us regularly we had a regular weekly game that we had set up in the back big giant table we had all the miniatures we had hand-drawn things we had our character sheets we had our little nerd folders full of all the different papers we would need and stuff because you know obviously nobody had a laptop you know there there, there was none of that going on back then um 
So it was, uh, you know, it was the tabletop, the pen and paper, all that kind of role playing. Um, like I say, it was, it was a, it was a weekly event there. Now Dungeons and Dragons, of course, came out before even I was born. Even though as as old as we may say, Jeez. Uh, I mean, it came out a year before I was born, but still, it was before my time. How about that? I'm going to run with that. But um, maybe I just officially aged myself for the first time. But um, yeah, so Dungeons and Dragons came out. Like I said, I mostly played advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and I didn't know this for a fact. I see that it came out, and it says '77, but I think that I got to look at the books. I haven't looked in a while. I think I was mostly an Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition player. I should I feel go like grab 89, them. 90 or so is when that came out, and that's when I would have been playing. I'm going to go grab um, them so we have visual props. <laughs> oh, yes, go look for those visual props. Uh, wait, are we recording this? Oh, no. Um, so, yeah, the, the old set, um, I, I distinctly remember my uh, first character was a, uh, of course... I'm coming from, you know, we all know how much I come from the uh, Lord of the Rings side of things. And my first character was a uh, halfling because I was told they were like hobbits. So I thought, okay, well, I'm on board with that one uh, when I was introduced. Um, so, yeah, halfling, halfling thief was my first character. Uh, and most of that was because back in that day, the way that group did is we rolled our stats and I just happened to have a big one in decks. So I got lucky and, and went with the halfling thieves. So, uh, so that was my first character, but you know, I still remember a lot of the stuff from that. I remember some of the story aspects that the, uh, the GM said, yeah, there it is. Yeah. You're right. I think it does say second edition on there. doesn't it? Yep. I think that's the uh, second edition player's handbook there or i do not see second edition um anywhere at least in in big letters this one the player's handbook was released in 78 and i think that the dungeon master's guide was 79 oh yeah then that is a D D first edition so I, I was on the cutting edge of course like i said i probably wasn't playing until the uh uh, very late 80s, if not early 90s. So, uh, but yeah, my I still remember. You know, that's the thing about this. And um, you know, I go back and I feel some of the same ways that I feel. All right, take a look at this. There. Take a look at this Minotaur. Well, yeah, that was a you know the extent of the amazing artwork we had <laughs> to base our imagination on. D and D is a game of imagination. It's role playing. It's not. We don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, or hundreds of millions of dollars nowadays spent by the animation department making the uh, the, the graphics for these games. But, yes, and also for our audio listeners, I suppose it's hard to see images. <laughs> so go, uh, go follow or subscribe to our YouTube channel at New Wave Nerds. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so I do have to say, like I say, I mean, this was my version of a, uh, you know, I think of the immersion that you get right now that you talk about when you're playing uh, Diablo or um, Assassin's Creed or the storylines. I remember somebody telling me it was either Brady or you telling me that Uncharted was a great story, you know, and stuff like that. And that's the kind of thing that you get when it comes to um, these role-playing games but it's even a little bit more fun in my in my world i felt like we you know we were part of the story right we we helped build the story and, and you guys have seen that when we played it we'll talk about that in a little bit 
but it to me it was a precursor to why a lot of the RPG games and stuff that um, that are hits now are on the uh, you know the consoles are such a big thing just because you get immersed in a story you build your story you have adventures you have that randomness to it where you could win or lose and then you build from that build your story from that as well so i think the tabletop games back then i mean i liken it to if if there were um ps4s ps5s you know back when i was that age that's what i'd be doing but instead the opportunity i had was the tabletop game for that kind of entertainment you know um, and it, you know, it was fun. I remember all that stuff. I remember my halfling thief at one point he dies and, uh, but he gets resurrected by a deity and I had to change him to a halfling, uh, half thief, half cleric. Right. So, uh, you know, the, just the fun, funness of it. I, I still remember his name. It was Arian Lightfoot, you know, uh, but, uh, it's just a lot of fun. I remember the So one thing I always remember, this is the best part about those early versions and we never really implemented in our games, but back in the day, um, instead of a, a crit roll being like double damage or something, what we would do is we had a crit roll and then we had another roll after that. And our DM had a critical roll table. There's also the critical fail table, but we had the critical roll table. And I distinctly remember one time our group was up against a, a big giant demon thing. And I'm a halfling thief with a sling because halflings will use slings. That's, that's the way it was. And uh, I rolled a crit and then I rolled another 20, which on the crit roll table meant chest concave instant death. So I, <laughs> I distinctly remember killing this big giant demon little halfling with my uh, um, sling because I rolled a double 20 basically, but uh, that was pretty epic. You know, it's one of those things that you just, you just always remember that kind of stuff. And of course, part of the fun of that is everybody else around the table, as weird as those guys were back then, um, because they were all groaner men playing uh, back there. But uh, it was, like I say, it was a lot of fun. So. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And I like that you, you, you know, mention the, uh, like the, the, the gaming scene now is like, we have these stories that are as immersive and, uh, you really start to make the connection there when you think back to like, well, you mentioned Diablo and I'm thinking World of Warcraft, you know, those guys, Chris Metzen uh, and his crew, they've, you know, said in interviews that the impetus for a lot of the ideas they've had for these various games comes from D&D campaigns that they've played over the years. You know, so it makes perfect sense that some of these most immersive stories would come out of something where it's, you know, completely theater of the mind. I agree. I agree. And, you know, it's something to be said for the fact that, um, you know, and this is just because some of the other podcasts, but I follow, but you mentioned Metzen, Chris Metzen, you know, retires from Blizzard. And one of the first thing he does um, outside of that is he has developed this whole uh, 5E uh, rules, you know, um, uh, setting and everything for 5E players, you know, because he's, like you say, a tabletop gamer all the way, you know, and, and, and enjoys that aspect of it. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, moving on from that, of course, you know, I, I played in high school and then I quit, went to college, all that stuff. Um, it wasn't until later on when you guys were old enough that we dusted everything off and started playing again. And, and like I say, like I was mentioned before, that's, 
that's probably Dungeons and Dragons fourth edition. I think if I remember right, you and I were all you guys were all playing fourth edition, and we started out playing that um, just as a refresher. Now the best part was is, and I've still got the box downstairs of all the old miniatures um, from when I was uh, in Hobby Town or at the at the hobby store, and um, you know from playing back in the day. In fact, I even have a little Aryan Lightfoot in there yet uh, that I used when we were playing. So it's kind of fun, um, but you know, dusting those off and pulling that up, and then getting refreshed on the rules and pulling up fourth edition. And I have to say, and and maybe some of the impetus for what we're doing, uh, you know, in the future here with this segment, is um, a lot of the things that brought me back into it were listening to actual play, actual play podcasts and that sort of thing, and getting refreshed in that uh, that idea and wanting to get you guys involved in it. So. Yeah, so I just wanted to ask, um, maybe, and maybe this is an unfair question because I mean, you, you know, you're ancient now, so it might be difficult to remember. But what are some of like the like the significant differences between like AD and D uh, and like D and D Fourth Edition? And then that, conversely, that, Brady, he... afterwards, I want to ask you some of the differences between Four E and Five E, since you've been the DM for a lot of our sessions for Five E. Yeah, I gotta say, you know. And and you're right, I am ancient, and there was a lot in between there that's going to make me forget a lot of this. I do remember, you know, way back in the day, the introduction of um, the whole, and, and I believe the book was entitled at the time, which is probably slightly inappropriate now, uh, The Oriental Adventures uh, in AD&D. And that introduced the monk class, which you know, you know, you in our recent game, you were playing a monk, um, has gone through a lot of iterations. But that I, I remember that class back in the day being even more overpowered than it was. I remember that uh, when we took a break from one of our normal games, our, our normal game session, got a new DM, we were playing and he wanted to run a high level campaign. So we all rolled up higher level guys and I picked a monk. And I distinctly remember one of his encounters, which I'm assuming his goal was to make it some kind of a... Uh, uh, a non-combat encounter, but he had this army of uh, goblins running at us or something. I can't remember what it was, but it was an army running at our party. And our uh, plans weren't to try to do any non-combat hide or anything like that. We just started swinging. And I distinctly remember my Oriental Adventures monk, uh, and I and I call it that just because it was labeled that back in the day, he would get uh, eight hits around each hit was taken out a goblin. I didn't even have to roll the hit because of their AC at the time. And uh, they couldn't hit me. So, I mean, we just kind of sat there and we're swinging and, and, and knocking things out just because of that. So I do kind of remember that. And, you know, they had the psionicists that were getting introduced. So they had the psionic powers. But they really started um, piling in all these different types of rule sets, trying to keep it um, fascinating. And, of course, I'm sure it was to sell books at the time too, because each one of them had their own books that you could get. I used to have a bunch of them. Um, but they, you know, between two E and fourth edition, like I said, it was, it was quite a big gap for me playing. The reason that we were able to have fun with fourth edition, I think is because enough of it was similar that I was able to do it. I think there was, I think third edition, if I remember right, I hear, I hear a lot of people talk about, third edition being a major revamp and i skipped that edition completely um in fact for some reason i think i remember something called thaco the 
two hit armor class zero was something that you had to figure out. And I and and in my head I just can't remember what all that was. And like I said, I skipped an edition. I took time off to be a cool college kid, uh, get married, have you guys, and all that jazz. Um, so uh, I, and then not come back till fourth edition. So I don't know all that stuff necessarily. Um, and Brady will uh, we can talk about this too when we talk about Starfinder. Um, I believe that. Starfinder is a, an offshoot of Pathfinder, which is an, uh, a recreation of the three, five Dungeons and Dragons rules. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But anyways, so, yeah, from second edition to fourth edition, I don't, I don't recall the big specifics as much as there were specific things. I know that fourth edition, I don't remember all the stuff with um, non-combat skills and stuff in second edition that we got to deal with starting with fourth edition. Um, so I, I do remember that being more of a thing where they tried to gamify that non-combat access a, a aspect of the game. So. And then, uh, Brady, um, again, this is this also might be a bit of an unfair question since you never DM'd any 4th E games, but <laughs> uh, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I can't speak much to the transition between 4th E and 5E, which is what we played, but... The whole like progression, like through the editions of Dungeons and Dragons, is a uh, it's a, a checks and balances that they made between complexity and the different paths you can take, and then simplicity to get new players in. And that's what they really focused on in Fifth Edition, is making it the lowest barrier of entry for new players to get in and start playing. And so when we start playing Starfinder. Uh, we're going to notice like a lot of extra complexities in terms of like skills, a lot more uh, complexities in terms of like combat rules with like shields. Uh, for an example, I, in Dungeons and Dragons, you just have to be holding a shield to get a bonus to your AC, right? But in Starfinder, you have to not only be holding a shield, but you also have to like say beforehand who you're holding your shield up against. Uh, and then anyone on that side has a plus. Uh, you have a plus one to AC or whatever the bonus is to attacks on that side. But if an enemy comes up behind you, obviously your shield can't protect you in that aspect, right? So uh, as we switch from the 5e that we played off camera into the Starfinder that we're going to be playing for this, uh, we'll run into a lot of that like reverse uh, complexity. I'll say um, one of the reasons that I'm uh, excited about us trying out Starfinder um, besides the fact that it's, you know, space, space is always cool. Um, but part of that is because, um, you know, I remember, and you guys probably remember this. Uh, I even, I even remember when we started playing 5e, uh, it took us a little bit to train ourselves away, but even thinking about a simple, uh, mechanic like flanking, um, flanking is back, you know, I mean, it's in Starfinder because like I say, it's based off that older version. And I always kind of like that aspect of things. I like the uh, the ability of doing that kind of thing. And of course, you know, sure, uh, uh, Brady went out and ruined it by finding this cool online um, character generator. But but to me, Starfinder up to this point was kind of feeling like, uh, you know, going back to those days of pen and paper and working everything out. And, and the fact that, uh, um, you know, there's so many odd little things like Brady's mentioning that you got to have little pencil notes on paper in key places just to remember that when you go to play, you know, and stuff. So, so when it's, um, 
when it's time to play, there are a lot more little uh, nuances. I think that, like like Brady said, it's it's uh, it was probably handy in D and D five e to uh, get rid of that kind of stuff. Uh, but again, you lost some of the stuff if that's what you what you really liked, right? Yeah, and I think that I think that makes sense. Um, and I yeah, I I understand the the idea that you know you need to bring in more people, otherwise the whole thing's gonna just you know end up belly up. But at the same time, I do agree it is fun to have those sort of complexities. Um, it makes the game a little bit more exciting, uh, especially while well, you mentioned flanking. the The idea that you have to or maybe you don't have to, um, but the the placement of your characters is much more important in, in 4th E than it felt in 5E, right? In 5E, it was much more like, I can just go wherever I want and it doesn't matter. But in in 4th E, and I would presume in, in Starfinder as well, it's much more like, okay, where am I going to get the the most benefit from? What Where does it make sense with in relation to everybody else? And I think that makes it a much more immersive team experience well like brady was mentioning um flanking or you know the shield i've been listening to some actual play podcasts just trying to get ourselves ready you know just because it's like i say it's a it's a slightly different rule set than 5e but there are times with if, if you've got a melee guy even on your team standing in front of the bad guy and you're back there trying to shoot him you've got a, he gets a bonus to his atc due to soft cover right that's not something that uh, anybody in 5e had to worry about but it's just kind of fun and you know before we get talking more specifics i do have to say that i think that this is the the way that the uh the tabletop world is is right now i think is great because you've got the 5e i mean we are able to pull in um you know my wife uh um jacob we we're able to pull in uh well like you're you're planning on getting sequoia and shade involved in a game, you know, and that sort of thing, we're able to pull in people in the 5e because they get the fun aspects of creating the character and playing the game and that sort of thing, but don't have to worry about all those nuances. The people who want to learn all those, there's companies like Paizo out there that are taking an old, what what you would might consider an old rule set and uh, building it and, and, and maintaining it you know, maintaining it, updating it thing by putting out new information, you know, and stuff like that, so that those type of players can also have that kind of game, you know, and it's not like, yeah, I play three, 3.5, because that's the only thing, but they haven't put out anything new in 3.5 for 20 years, right? It's, you know, Paizo's putting out new stuff, Pathfinder, you know, Pathfinder, Starfinder, they're getting new stuff. In fact, I think, you know, I, while I've been Googling, I think Pathfinder's got a new addition out there or something too but um they're keeping i think they're keeping those players entertained by offering up things like that whereas um you know D D 5e is like you say trying to appeal more to the masses which is you know it's great to have both those options um i think that another tabletop thing that we aren't going to talk about but someday we might try is like that power by the apocalypse system which is even more around just storytelling rolling a couple dice and running with it right so the rule set there is even less stringent it's more about everybody just agreeing yeah if you roll this number it's good kind of thing you know it's that sort of play style and that's a whole different type of tabletop games that i hope we try sometime because that's what that uh airbender um role-playing game that we've been throwing around is based off of but uh I think right now, going back to uh, 
a, what I'm going to call an earlier versions of D&D, &D, even though it's Starfinder, I think is going to be fun. Yeah, I agree. And I think it, it does make sense um, to have, if you're going to make like a, a tabletop role-playing game, it makes sense to have the, I kind of don't, I don't want to say necessarily the most simplistic rule set, um, because that can sound sort of like derogatory, um, but to have the most, I'm just going to say the simplest Welcome. rule set. Um, Welcome. <laughs> yes, yes, the most uh, friendly uh, rule set to have on something like Avatar, which is going to um, sort of draw people in just off its name recognition, right? There's somebody like me, um, well, maybe not, somebody like Shade, who loves Avatar but has never played a tabletop role-playing game. It makes sense to have the introduction be something really simplistic. Um, and then in addition to have to that, to have uh, D&D 5e be a little bit more, you know, user-friendly as well, because that is obviously the big name, right? That is the one that everybody knows, and sure. Well, yeah, especially thanks to Stranger Things, right? Stranger Things has also brought it back. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I don't know, Brady, what are you most excited about uh, when it comes to this Starfinder stuff? You've been looking into this a ton because you're going to be running our game, so uh, what, what are you thinking about where we're going? I'm really excited about like two things in in particular. One is the the need for like strategy in combat. I'm not going to go into it because we've already mentioned it, but cover is a very big thing in Starfinder and Dungeons and Dragons. Swords, magic, arrows. That's basically it, right? In Starfinder, you have swords, uh, magic, but in addition to that, you have lasers. You have guns with uh, like physical ammunition. You can shoot 300 feet away uh with either a gun or a laser you can throw grenades cover is a very important thing in starfinder and i'm excited to see all the the strategy uh the strategies that you guys use to get through the encounters um and then the other thing is going to be the the wide variety of like the storytelling right in dungeons and dragons it's evil wizard based off of lord of the rings or what other insert fantasy <laughs> thing here in starfinder you can literally create an entire planet for whatever you want to do, right? And in addition to like whatever you homebrew at home, Paizo's done a great job of creating all these new mechanics and rules for other things. Uh, like one of their newest, I don't know if it, I don't think it's out yet, but one of their newest uh, rule books is a small rule book for uh, mechanics and rules and encounter ideas for uh, kaiju type combat. So Pacific Rim, giant robot versus giant monsters. Instead of being the crew of a spaceship, you're the crew of a giant battle mech, right? And if you were trying to do that in Dungeons and Dragons, you'd or any of the other uh, like fantasy type TTRPGs, you'd have to do some real, uh, real mental and storytelling gymnastics to make that happen. But in Starfinder, you could just go to another planet, and all of a sudden, everyone has a battle mech. Yeah, I think that's 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 really cool, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's actually something that I hadn't thought about the the sort of diversity of stories that you can introduce. Because, I mean, you think of Star Trek, you know, one of the most famous, <laughs> arguably the most famous sci-fi property of all time. How many episodes of the original series are them going to a planet where all they have is medieval-style technology? So, even though it's Starfinder, it doesn't necessarily have to be limited to oh, what space battle are we going to have today? So you have all of the, the various sci-fi tropes and all the various 
uh, elements that you could pull from that, but then you could also do the sort of fantasy element um, and still work it in and have it make sense. And then you can combine it and be like, space vampires kidnap people. You have to go to this medieval planet and fight space vampires. Yes, yes. And if that isn't a, a, an adventure that we do at some point now, I'm going to be sad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that on the list. Yeah. I I mean, I, like you say, you mentioned mech combat. I'm kind of excited about this, The um, from what I've heard on the starship combat too, because that gives you an opportunity to, again, like I say, use your non-combat stuff, right? You know, I, I mean, there was an actual... Um, there's a, a crew position that is like the captain, you know, this is somebody who normally you would expect that they have to go They're They're going to be running in with a sword that isn't going to be very useful on a, on a starship. But when they are, you know, sitting there in the captain chair, they can use their intimidate or their, uh, you know, their persuasion or whatever it is in Starfinder, they get to use those things to help out the rest of the team. And I think that the, um, you know, the starship combat, I think is going to be kind of fun in the way that, it's like every round you get something specific to do, but it's specific to your task, you know, and stuff. So I am kind of curious about that aspect of it too. But I don't know. I don't know what your plans are for us. If we get a cool ship or not, or if we have to go steal one, I don't, we'll have to find out, I guess. <laughs> well, with that, I think we might as well just, since we're already like half doing it, we might as well just move on to uh, the sort of the plans that we have cooked up for the future here. Um, so why don't you sort of fill us in on what we're going to be doing here, Brady, uh, since you're going to be the, the DM uh, in this situation. Yep. Uh, so basically what we're going to be doing is going to be like a classic Star Trek Firefly-esque week-to-week uh, different adventure anthology type thing. That gives you guys the, the flexibility to play around with different kinds of characters. Maybe the one that you're playing last week uh, has to have required company required pay time off and so they can't do this adventure so you guys get an opportunity to play a new one or that gives me the opportunity to bring in completely random stories and not uh worry about a, a contiguous storyline throughout or we could like bring in guests we could bring in bring in shade and sequoia for one episode and then they could uh pop away for a little bit and then they can come in a little bit and it, it's not jarring for the viewers or the listeners I think it's going to be fun. I think that's the way to go with it. Um, so um, when we think about that kind of thing, I mean, you, you mentioned Firefly. You guys, Neither one of you guys have watched Firefly, have you? I have not. Nope. Okay, I, I sent it to my father a... before me. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we have... Um, I think we have it on, on, on DVD and Serenity as well. I think we have both of yes. them. Gotta got to watch uh, what, what they always say on Community, seven seasons in a movie. Well, this is one season in a movie, but but it's still good. Yeah, so I think um, one of the things that I'm most excited about, specifically this game that we're going to be doing, is this is going to be the first one in like, like six, seven years or so that we've done in person. Um, you know, all, we've, do, we've sporadically played D&D through over the years, but they've mostly been online um, through Zoom, Roll20, uh, some Owlbear as well. And so as fun as that is, it's, it's inf- to me at least, it's infinitely more fun to be able to be in person and have that human interaction. Uh, it's so much easier to have actual conversations. Um, and because of that, I'm so excited to have us all around a table again. And 
due to the fact that we are all going to be in person, we are going to be streaming every time we play. Uh, I have created a very fancy overlay. Uh, it took me all of like four hours, so everybody <laughs> say nice things about it when you see it. Um, but it's going to be really fun. Uh, we are trying to figure out a schedule right now. Um, once we get all that hammered out, we will, you know, blast that out on all the socials. Um, but be sure to tune in whenever we do go live with that. And I'm, I'm going to say, too, you know, I, I don't think that... Um... You know, you say hammering out a schedule. I think it'll be nice that you can go in and edit it. I think I think we can get some fun content here that um, get some people watching it and have some fun with it too. I, th I think the fun aspect will be going live streaming, and then going in and creating some uh, some video content around it. And I hope that people are getting involved and helping us out because um, you know, as I've mentioned, I mean, this is even my first time of playing Starfinder, so we're all going to be considered pretty new to Starfinder, and I hope that uh, any comments or su suggestions that we get uh, are as friendly as the internet can provide and, and help us out. Uh, let us know where we're doing things wrong or, or uh, you know, where we could maybe do things better, even though I think um, I'd like to say a lot of the times our, our suggestions are, are, or our uh, choices are rule of cool and fun. Uh, I do think that we want to make sure that uh, uh, you know, we're doing as well as we can to follow the rule set. Um, and we may need some suggestions or some help on that too. So. Yes. Yeah. The same, same vein for the format and for the storytelling. If, as you guys are listening, you get really connected to certain characters or certain storylines and you don't want to pivot off that, or you want to keep coming back to that, like interact with us, say, Hey, that storyline with the space vampires and they had to go to the, the medieval planet. That's it. We want more of that. We will see what we can do. I don't know. You're really turning this into be some big season finale cliffhanger now. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> not about the big season finale cliffhanger, but about, yeah, any thoughts, suggestions, comments on any aspects of, of, of the gameplay. Um, you know, we mentioned uh, specific abilities. If we're, if we're doing something wrong, if there's ways that we can strategize together to position ourselves um thoughts on the story any of that uh put that in our our discord which we are we're, we're trying to build out and or comment on on the youtubes um yes please do keep them respectful uh but if they're slightly disrespectful but they're really funny i will still let them slide <laughs> Oh no! Wait a minute. We're not paying for moderators, right? <laughs> People are on their own, so whatever they want to say, they're gonna say. We're only requesting. Oh man, um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Mm. <laughs> that sucks. I don't know, Br Brady. Do you have a uh, a stinger or a uh, uh, story hook just to uh, let us let us all be uh, super excited about where we're going with this, or or am I putting you on the spot? No, I have something ready. If we don't have anything else, I can do a little teaser for what our first uh, intro adventure is going to be. I think we do that. I think a nice stinger here. And just so that everybody knows our plan is, uh, you know, we, we do want to, uh, um, you know, maybe, maybe throw out a little extra um, information. We're, we're going to throw out some little side episodes, hopefully a Starfinder stuff, just to uh, get some, uh, some feedback from you guys. Um, in the meantime, uh, Brady can get us all hooked up and get us all excited. I think that uh, 
you know, our first round or so, like I say, we're going to be learning. I think we might do a little, uh, I think uh, Brennan and, and Brady and I discussed, I think we might do a little, uh, uh, you know, character creation or, or at the very least character introduction and discussion uh, round table here to get things kicked off soon and uh, before before we actually start playing things. But I'm kind of curious. I think that uh, maybe, it, maybe it'll help with my character uh, uh lockdown here just to kind of hear this little stinger and, and and hear where we're going with things yes i agree <laughs> all right go right ahead brady cool okay for this first adventure you have all been hired as retrieval engineers by garflax's dirty jobs a company known throughout the packed worlds for taking just about any job that's offered within reason and that reason cold hard credits for your first assignment, you are tasked with traveling outside near space and retrieving what you can of salvageable materials from the Remos Pioneer, a ship whose fate has been shrouded in mystery and was, until recently, thought to be lost to the cosmos. Oh, okay. I like All the right, sound of I'm that. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be fun. What is this business called? Garflax's Dirty Jobs? Garflax's dirty job. <laughs> oh boy. Do we have to buy some licensing to uh A C D C a dirty job dirty jobs done dirt cheap? We have to get that as our theme song. Huh? Yes, that'll that won't be expensive at all. <laughs> <laughs> um but yes, with that, I suppose that is a, a lovely little cliffhanger to end it on. Um Yeah, I guess just <laughs> keep your eye out for uh, for any updates. Uh, we'll be posting onto on the Twitter or the Instagram. Um, we'll be we'll be sure to notify everybody well before we actually decide to go live. So it's not quite as last minute as most of our video game streams are. But yes, uh, any final thoughts, gentlemen? I'm excited. Decided to put you guys in perilous encounters uh, every, ever, every, however long we decide to do this. All right, I need. I, I think I need to go shopping for survival gear now. <laughs> yes, I'm very ready to partake in these dirty jobs. <laughs> All right, uh, with that, we will catch you guys next time. Bye.